Seeking the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to the portion we read, Isaiah chapter 30, and reading verse 15 as our text. For thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall ye be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and ye would not. Isaiah 30 and verse 15. Isaiah prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, among other of the kings, but specifically at this time when Assyria was attacking not just Israel, but all the nations in that area. This is some 700 years before Christ. And Israel were seeking help, not help from God, seeking help from Egypt, seeking help from other nations, seeking help from man, instead of relying upon the Lord. There's a great contrast, really, from this time when eventually the ten tribes of Israel were carried away and scattered by Assyria to that of some 130 years later where Jeremiah is prophesying and where uh, then again they were not listening and they were carried away this time to Babylon but to be returned again after 70 years. But at this time for Judah, the Lord made a great difference. Judah, they did trust in the Lord. They did rest in him and he saved them from Assyria. Assyria's generals, they railed upon Hezekiah, the king of Judah, and upon the true and living God as if he was just the same as gods of silver and of stone, of wood. And yet Hezekiah cried to the Lord, Isaiah cried unto the Lord, and the Lord delivered them a remarkable blessing in the midst of all the nations at that time to have little Judah, the tribe of Judah, spared and delivered from those mighty armies because they trusted in the Lord their God. But here is Israel and they are being directed to trust in the Lord but they are walking in a rebellious way. The chapter begins, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel but not of me. What a message to us today. Where do we take counsel from? Who do we ask counsel of? Do we ask it of one that has lived a few more years than us, or less, or one of whom we think is more knowledgeable than us? And Where have they got their wisdom from, their understanding from? Man passes it down, man to man. Man can only go back as as far as his knowledge and understanding goes. The word of God is the word of the eternal and everlasting God. And it is a trait to 
fallen man right from the beginning that he would rather ask counsel at man, at fallen men, men that will die like he will die, rather than go to the true and living God. And how we go to the true and living God is going to the Word of God. The Bible is the only Word of God to man from Genesis to Revelation. There are no other words of God to man. It is the inspired, infallible Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we go to God in prayer, asking Him to give us understanding, to direct us in His Word, to cause us to understand His Word and understand what we should do and the way we should go. The Lord is in control in this world. He governs all nations and he has a plan and a purpose for the world and one day the world that he made and created and formed shall end. And at its end the Lord shall end it, not man, and he shall come again with power and great glory and his people then shall rise from the dead, they shall be forever with him and those that are still alive at that time shall be caught up with those that have risen in the air to be forever with the Lord. The Lord makes a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And we are to remember these glorious plans of the Lord that are revealed in his word. We have those prophecies in the word that foretold what would happen to Israel and it did happen to Israel the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he did come. We have set before us in the word those things that fulfill the scriptures, that tell us that this is the word of God. Why throughout the word, uh, some 500 times, we have the phrase, thus saith the Lord, it claims to be the word of God and not the word of man. And we would not, we could not trust it if it was the word of man and such words as this chapter and of this text would be meaningless if really all we had here was the word of men, then we might as well trust in man rather than trust it in someone that wrote something a few hundred or thousand years ago. But when we know it is the word of the true and living God who said that heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away, then we are to trust in the word, or trust in the God of the word of God. Well, Israel here was a rebellious people. They would not do this. They would not listen. They would go down to Egypt. They would rest in another's wisdom, another's might, in horses and in, in the might of another nation. How often, we think later on, we have the same that was spoken against Asa, king of Israel. A army of a million came against him, Ethiopians. And at that time he trusted in the Lord and the Lord delivered him. But then later on, instead of trusting to the Lord, he went to uh, another nation and sought help from them and even... He persecuted the prophets that reproved him for doing that. And again and again we have a reminder 
for God's children that they have for their God, the true and the living God. And part of that is to trust in him, trust in him for time and for eternity. If we cannot trust him for time, how can we trust him to put away our sins? How can he, we trust him for eternity and to deliver us from the wrath to come and the judgment to come? The vital thing for us is to have an interest in our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and a trust in his salvation and lean hard upon what the Lord has done and not on our own works or any other one's works except that of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the word that is in this chapter, the uh, Jews, the ten tribes of Israel, they were told, they were told where uh, this hope was to be. In verse 7, the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this, their strength is to sit still. They'd already had this message. Then they have the message of our text. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and ye would not. And they said that they would flee, and that they would partake other ways, but when this is spoken of God's people, when God's people rebel, he sends his word after them, he sends the rod, he chastens them, he corrects them, and he brings them at last to hear the word of the Lord. And the way of transgressors is hard. How much better it would be to hear it first than to rebel against it, and then the Lord deal with us, and then at last we hear it, and at last we obey. But that is the great mercy for God's chosen people that though they may rebel at first, yet he does not let them go and he will correct them, he will cause them to hear at last his word. But I want to look then at this word in a gospel sense. We would start, of course, as we have with uh, the literal events that are happening in Israel the word of God is not cunningly devised fables. What we have here, though it is a prophet, it, it is the real experience of Israel. It is a history book. It speaks of real nations and real people and what God did for them and how he appeared for them in the midst of an ungodly world, in the midst of a world of heathens, a world of idolaters, and how the Lord dealt with his people, his special people, his chosen people. And so he would apply this to the people of God of all ages in these gospel days from Christ to the end of the world when the Lord commanded to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. That gospel or good news of salvation 
It was really preached from as soon as the Lord came, was born into this world, even before he suffered, bled and died. It was a message of peace, a message of goodwill to all men on earth peace. And it was not peace on earth, but on earth peace, and known by the people of God. The Lord said, In me ye shall have peace. In the Lord Jesus Christ ye shall have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation or great trouble and distresses. But in me ye shall have peace. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so I want to look in this verse that is before us. The verse that was brought to Israel, brought now in a gospel sense to us. The first point, how we shall be saved. The word says, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. The second point is what shall be our strength in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. These are very clear statements for Israel and for God's children. And then thirdly, our response to the Lord's message. Always when the Lord brings his word, when it is preached, there is to be a responding to him. And when the Lord sent forth his disciples to preach, he said, where that word was not received, they were to shake the dust off that city off their feet and to go on to the next he that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. So there will be a response, and the solemn case of in our text is, and ye would not. But firstly, how we shall be saved. The message here from the Lord God, the eternal God, the Holy One of Israel, that is still the Holy One of Israel, he is still the Holy One of heaven and of earth. There is one God and one Lord Jesus Christ, one triune God, Father, Son and Holy Ghost, three distinct persons in one Godhead, all divine, all eternal, all holy, all unchangeable, all with no beginning nor end. Though our Lord was made flesh and dwelt among us, he is the eternal God. And this is his message then to us. In returning and rest shall ye be saved. How could that be put? How is it put really in the gospel sense? We think of when John Baptist came, when our Lord came, what were they preaching? They were preaching repentance. What is repentance but turning or returning to the Lord? Turning back again. What were the people of God doing here? Going off to Egypt. Going to another help. Going after their own strength or man's strength. Where was the way that they would be saved? Going on in that way, continually in that way? Or was it returning? and turning back to the Lord. 
Returning to the Lord. Repentance, that is what repentance is. When Paul came to Mars Hill and he spoke to those at Athens who had altars for all sorts of gods, a hill of gods, and then one altar for the unknown God. And he said to them that he whom ye ignorantly worship, I declare unto you. And the God that made heaven and earth, in him we live and move and have our being. And he declared to them that one true God. And then he says that God commanded now at this ignorance, this ignorance of nations going after idols and going after these other gods and other strengths. For many, many years God winked at. He turned a blind eye to it amongst the nations of the earth. But now, now in these gospel days, now that Christ has suffered, bled and died, risen again, and the Holy Spirit is given, now God commandeth all men everywhere to repent, to turn from these idols, from man, from every other way of salvation, to look for salvation in none other but the Lord alone, to return unto the Lord. And this is the message for the people here that they were to return. In returning and rest ye shall be saved. There is no salvation in any other. The Lord said uh, that there is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. If ye believe not me, ye shall perish in your sins. There is no other way of salvation but that that is described and set forth in the word of God of which the Lord is the author of it. Our way of being saved must be in this only way. Paul, the Apostle Paul says, Be ye followers of me as I also am of Christ. He says to the Hebrews, Let us run the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus. It is in that one name, it is given a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Really, it is a very simple message, a very direct message, that for poor fallen men, that they are to look in that direction and that direction alone. They're to seek for salvation there. We live in a world where, like Athens, like Mars Hill, there's multiples of gods, many gods, and even amongst Christianity, there is so many that say that they are Christians or that they are following Christ. But if they knew their Bible, if they followed the word of God, they would know that they are not following after Christ at all. And we have many times, like when Paul writes to the Galatians, that he shows the people there that had received the gospel, the good news through Christ, but added to it their own works. Man will always want to put his hand to it, always want to do something towards his own salvation instead of resting on what the Lord has done. So we have here 
It is in returning and in rest shall ye be saved. Returning unto the Lord. We think of our Lord's parable of the prodigal son where he went from his father, he took his worldly goods, he spent them all in riotous living, then he began to be in want, and then he remembered all that he had in his father's house. And he said, I will return, and that he will say, I am not worthy to be called thy son, make me, I pray thee, as one of thy hired servants. And so he returns, and the father saw him a great way off. When he saw him, he had compassion on him and ran and embraced him and he would have nothing of the idea of him being a servant. He said, this my son was dead and now is alive again. And the blessing all began with him remembering his father's house and returning there. And here's a message to a backsliding people. Here's a message to all people that there is no salvation except in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the way of salvation set forth in the word of God. According to the scriptures, we read when Christ suffered, all that he did was that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And when Satan tempted our Lord, the Lord rebuffed every one of those temptations with it is written from the word of God. And that should be a real lesson to us. Return to the Lord. Return to the word of God. Look for salvation there. Look for it in God alone. It is his judgment throne we must stand before. It is he that we shall give account to. So does it not then Render that we should look to his word. Perhaps if we use an illustration. If we had a car and we had an insurance policy on it, then we would know that if we had a cause of needing that policy, we had a car accident, that we would have to go to that insurer to ask them to pay out for us, to pay our debt for us. But if we have had the insurance document and we said, well, we don't want to read that, we're not interested in that, we'll just read part of it anyway. We won't, and we won't read the conditions. When in the conditions they said that if you left your car with the keys in it, you were not insured. If you were driving without a license, you were not insured. If you left the car unlocked, you're not insured. If it had not got an MOT, you're not insured. You hadn't read any of those, and you just read those bits that said, you're covered, you're right. And then you had the accident. Then you had the great bill for the repairs, not only of your car, but someone else's. And so you go to the insurer, and you want some money. And they say, well, what did you do? And they look at all of the conditions and they say, well, you, you, you've broken those conditions. Your car wasn't uh, MOT'd. You hadn't got a license. You left the key in it. Sorry, we're not paying you anything. And you'd begin to protest. And they said, well, you couldn't be bothered to read the word that we'd written. 
You couldn't be bothered to read the conditions. So, see to it. I'm just. We're right. We gave you the warnings. We told you the conditions. And that shall be at the last judgment day. Men shall stand before God, their maker and their creator. And the Lord shall judge them according to his word, according to the law of God. They might say, well, we we didn't bother to read it. Or we had it. But we decided to follow those that interpreted it this way, that was nice and easy for us. And we could just have our sins and have our life and live as we liked. And we were told they'll be all right at the end. He would say to them, but why didn't you read the word? Why did you leave it to others to deceive you? Why did you not look into it yourself if you knew your whole eternal existence relied on that? Your soul relied on that. Why are you trusting in man? How many will do that? And they'll trust in man's interpretation of God's word. They won't have a Bible. They won't read the Bible. They'd like someone to tell them themselves what it says, what it means, and what they should do. And like Israel, they said, tell us good things. Tell us things we want to hear. Don't tell us bad things. Don't tell us anything that will restrict our lifestyle and that will go against what we want to do. We want the effect of an idol that sees what we want it to see, hears what we want it to hear. It can't do anything to us because it's but stone or gold. It can't reprove us. It hasn't got a mouth. That's the kind of God we want. Just a puffer, puppet, just to do what we want. We'll put words in its mouth and it will tell us nice, smooth, smooth things, just what we want. Is that the God that you want, that I want? Or would we rather know the truth this side of the grave before the judgment day, before we stand before God, to actually know what the Lord requires and what is the way of being saved and here in our text it tells us how we are saved how we are to be saved in returning and rest shall ye be saved in returning to the true and living God in looking for salvation to him and alone and to none else and then there's the other part in returning and rest Really, repentance and faith. In the word of God, the rest often is spoken of the Lord Jesus Christ. Return unto thy rest. There remaineth a rest to the people of God, or a keeping of Sabbath. But Christ is our rest. Hear his word. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. The children of Israel in the Old Testament covenant, they worked six days and rested the seventh. The same as in creation, God worked six days of creation and hallowed and rested the seventh day. Works came before the rest. But in the New Testament, 
We rest on the first day of the week because Christ rose from the dead. The work is finished. It's completed. It is done. The atonement has been made. Christ has died. He put away the sin of his people. He satisfied the justice of God. He endured the wrath of God. He finished the work. He cried upon the cross. It is finished. Then he rose from the dead, giving assurance unto all men that the sacrifice was accepted, the wrath of God was appeased. And this is the gospel, the good news of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, a finished work. So the rest of the week is worked out what has worked in. We show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of nature's darkness and into his marvellous light. And the rest here is a resting on what Christ has done, a trusting on what Christ has done. Imagine if we owed a debt, say to a builder's merchant or at another firm, and it was a great debt, and we were trying very hard to work and pay that debt off. And we worked long hours and we tried hard as we could to settle that debt. But the more we tried and the more we worked, the because of the interest on it, it the debt got worse and worse. But then someone came along and they said, look, we will take your debt. You put it on our account and we will pay it. And so that builder's merchant at that firm, what was owing on your account was put upon someone else's account and they fully paid off that debt. Now if you didn't believe that they had done that, you'd still try and try to pay off your debt. You'd have no rest, all the time labour. But if you believe what they said, if you really believe that they had settled your debt, you wouldn't worry anymore, you wouldn't labour anymore, you could rest in the complete knowledge that that debt had been honourably and rightly paid. And it all hinges on how much you trust that person. How much you trust that that debt really was settled as to whether you can rest or not. And with the children of Israel here, how much they believed in the might and power of their God to appear for them and to deliver them from the Assyrian armies. If they could believe that, then they would rest. But if they could not believe that, then they were busy going down to Egypt, they were busy doing all these things. But we read in in, in verse 7, the Egyptians shall help in vain to no purpose. They won't be any help. All of that effort wasted. All of that labour wasted. The great message right through the New Testament is not of works lest any man should boast. Paul to the Romans in Romans 10, he said they were his own countrymen 
that he bore them record that they had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They were going about to establish their own righteousness, their own goodness, their own works, and hadn't submitted unto the righteousness of God. All the time the message is the same. The Pharisee is looking for his own works to save him. Saul of Tarsus was at the first. And all of God's people as well. We are born under the law. We are under the law. But our Lord Jesus Christ. He was born under the law. And made of a woman. To deliver us out from under the law. You know. One that owes a debt. They are under the law. If they don't pay that debt. Then at last they can be locked up for it. But as soon as that debt is paid. The law doesn't have any more say over them at all. If you get a letter uh, through the post and they say you've got a speeding fine, you're under the law. The law says you should pay that fine and all the time that fine is not paid, you're under the law. You don't pay it, it's doubled. You don't pay it, you go to court. You don't pay it, you go to jail. And the law is on top of you all the time. That debt remains. As soon as you write out your cheque and you pay that, it's paid, points on your licence, the law is satisfied, it's done, you can't be taken to jail, the law has no more demand upon you, it's done, it's settled. And so it is in the way of salvation with our first parents, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. We are under the sentence of death, we already are. Our loved ones have died, our parents have died, our grandparents have died, our great-grandparents have died. Men must die, we must die. We're under that sentence and we are under spiritual death already. We cannot by nature know or find out God at all. But it is the Lord that alone can give eternal life. Alone that can give faith, and it is through his word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And it is a trust. That faith is trust. Faith is trusting in what the Lord has done, what is revealed in the word of God, what the Lord has done at Calvary. And it focuses right in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, all focused on Calvary. The scriptures always repeats what is so vitally important. We have the creation account in Genesis and right through nearly every book of the Bible, creation is referred to. It's a vital, vital beginning. And in the first three chapters of creation, we uh, of Genesis, we have just about every uh, doctrine, every teaching that is unfolded right through the word of God. When we come to the law of God, it's repeated twice. You can read it in Exodus, in Deuteronomy. When it comes to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's set forth twice in Matthew and in Luke. And when it comes to the death and resurrection of our Lord, it is in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Emphasising the importance of that. It is Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again. He is not here, he is risen. The debt is paid. And so the trust, this is the 
way of salvation, how we are saved in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In repentance turning from all other unto Christ alone to the way of salvation set forth in the Bible alone and in trusting alone in what he has done and he has accomplished. And where the Holy Spirit, and it is the Spirit's work, it's the power of God that opens the ear, makes one willing to receive the word and to believe the word and to trust in it. Faith is the gift of God and is through the word of God. And where then it gives rest, joy and peace in believing, fully believing the record God hath made of his Son and the work that he has done. This then is the message how we shall be saved in returning and rest, in repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly then, what shall be our strength? For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Men put their strength in all sorts of things. Some will say, well, my strength is my bank account. Any trouble comes, I've got enough money, I pay for it. Another will say, well, my strength is in my physical strength. I can do do anything. There's nothing that I can't do. Another will say, my strength is in my wisdom and my knowledge. I can handle anything, electronics and mechanics and woodwork and painting, electrics and plumbing, whatever it is, I can do it. That's my strength. Another will say, my strength is people. It's not what you know, it's who you know. I know this person and that person and I can manipulate them and make them do what I want. And each one has these different strengths. But the word of the Lord here, he says in quietness and in confidence, shall be your strength. And we put it in the gospel way, in this way, in submission and quiet waiting upon the Lord. Many times through the word of God, it speaks of submitting to the Lord. Submission to him. We mentioned about Paul with writing to the Romans and in Romans chapter 10 and the contrast with those that were working and going about to establish their own righteousness their good works as a payment that God should accept them and he says that they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God Man is proud. Man is full of self-importance. And to submit to someone else is beneath him. To submit to God's way and not his own way. You think of Naaman the Syrian who really, he did want to be healed of his leprosy. But he had these great ideas that when he came to the door of Elisha, that he would do some great things and instead Elisha just sent out a messenger 
and told him to go and wash in Jordan seven times and he would be healed. And he despised Jordan. He thought the rivers of Damascus where he lived was better than them and he was expecting some great thing. He went away in a rage. He wouldn't submit to the simple directions that were given him to be cleansed. And then his servants came to him and reasoned with him, said, My Lord, if the prophet had said to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? But what, just a simple thing. And then he went and did it. He submitted. Dipped himself seven times in Jordan, came again, his flesh as a little child's. How vital to submit our proud, remember this. By nature we are proud. We will not have this man to reign over me. I will not be dictated by the word of God. I will not be ruled by that. I will not be ruled by another. I will do my own thing. That really is the mentality of the world today. Just like in Judges, every man did that which is right in his own eyes. And every man wants every man to be able to do what is right in his own eyes. And it is ending up in absolute chaos in this country. But man likes that. He wants every man to, including himself, just to be able to do what he likes. He will not have one to say, no, this is the word of God. This shall be our guide. This is what we shall rest in and this is how we shall walk and how we shall act. No. But the strength of God's people in quietness and in confidence, not in running hither and here, not in rebellion, not in fighting, not in striving against the Lord, but just in a quiet continuance Walking in the ways of the Lord. Submission and quietly waiting for the Lord. We have in verse 18. Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. That is as he brings down the people, humbles them, brings them down. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. How many promises in the word of God for those that wait for the Lord. And what is set forth here is this is the strength of the people of God. May that be our strength, dear friends to have submission to the Lord and quietly wait for the Lord. Is there a thing that you can't submit to tonight? Is there something that the Lord has not yet appeared, he has not yet dealt with it, as you think he should deal with it? And you might say that then is our weakness, but our strength, will be to be submissive to the Lord's will, handling of a matter, and to wait for him to perform all his will and what he'll do and his purposes. I've seen it in the Lord's dear people. I trust I've known a little of it myself. 
And he certainly is a strength and not a weakness. The Lord said to the Apostle Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And the strength of the people of God is to sit still, to wait upon the Lord. In verse 7, The Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this, their strength is to sit still. To sit still. To wait for the Lord. Our help cometh from the Lord that made heaven and earth. The Lord said to Ruth, or Naomi said to Ruth, when she'd made her petition, to Boaz to take her as his wife and to redeem her to do the part of a near kinsman. She said, sit still, my daughter. The man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. May this be a word to you this evening. Poor soul, sit still, my daughter. The man will not be in rest until you have finished the thing this day, that will be your strength. Well, then we have our last point, our response to the Lord's message. Well, their response was, and ye would not. The Lord knows how we respond to his word. And may we know, may he make us honest with ourselves, how we respond to the word of God, how we respond to it preached. Do we ridicule it? Do we test it by man? Do we do it? Are we doers of the word, not hearers only? In the epistle to James, he speaks of that. And our Lord told the parable of the man that built his house upon the rock and the man that built his house upon the sand. And the difference was the man that was a doer of the word and a man that was not a doer of the word. May we be like those that are upon the rock that hear the word of God and keep it. You know, there's nothing so grievous and sad to a parent or to an instructor of a person that has told them the way to go, told them what to do, and they go and do the opposite. They don't do as they have been told. How easy we can fall into that. Remember years ago as a young man, I went to buy some some bricks from this person and this builder he gave me a wheelbarrow to take it out to the car and he said to me now put the bricks not many of them but just over the wheel of the wheelbarrow then you'll be out of control and take it out and I thought I don't know I was strong I filled the wheelbarrow up and off I went and it started to wobble and I struggled and he came after me very angry he said didn't I tell you just put it over the wheel. You didn't do as you were told. I've never forgotten that. And he was right. And we can be many times grieved when 
We give someone specific instructions and they think we know better and we're going to do different. And so when we have the word of God, when we have the word before us here, what is our response? Do we add to it? Do we take from it? Do we change it to suit ourselves? Do we do what Israel did? After it set forth before them, he would not. Would not walk in that way. May the Lord make us obedient to the word, doers of the word. Make us to be of those that walk in the ways of the Lord and in the way of salvation. In this way ye are saved, in this way is our strength. And may that truly be so with us. May the Lord bless the word, may it abide with us. Amen.